Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. gospel lesson this morning and the sermon text comes from the gospel of Luke. We're going to be in the third chapter. We're going to start by looking at verses 15 through 17 and then jump over to verses 21, 22. All right, so we'll start Luke chapter 3 verses 15 through 17 and then go over to verses 21 through 22. <coughs> As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who was mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Well, friends, last week, you and I, we took a look at the wise men. And I presented to you evidence as to why, contrary to popular belief, they were not there at the time of the birth of our Lord. It caused us to put on our thinking caps, so to speak. And this morning, I want to invite you to do that again, to put on your thinking caps and think a little bit about what I'm about to say. The story that we just read, the story of Jesus' baptism, is one that has been told and retold over and over again. It's been the subject of countless paintings that I'm sure most of us have seen. And I would imagine that a good number of you could repeat and recite the story of Jesus' baptism over and over and recount all of the events. Jesus comes to the River Jordan to be baptized. His cousin John says, nah, I can't do it. Jesus says, yes, you can, you need to. He's insistent about it. Then Jesus is baptized, after which, as he is coming out of the water, the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and the voice of God is heard. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And in our minds, these events take place, boom, 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 one after the other, one after the other. And these stories we retell and paintings we see are always, I think, from the point of view of Jesus. This week, though, I wondered if maybe, just maybe, the point of view we should be looking at is from that of John the Baptist. Now, the baptism of our Lord is found in all four Gospels. 
Matthew and Mark's telling of the story are almost identical. They say, and when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. I want to focus in on that phrase, just as he came up from the water. Who is the he? Who is the he that came up from the water and saw the heavens open with the Holy Spirit descending? We say Jesus. And depending on your translation, it probably does make the most sense. But I want us to take a quick look at what the other two Gospels have to say about it. Because our reading this morning says this, it says, When all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him. Luke adds a little bit to the story, doesn't he? After others had been baptized, and after Jesus was baptized, and after Jesus was praying, after all of that is when the heavens open and the Spirit descended. Jesus goes in, comes out, goes to pray, then we hear God's voice. Is it possible that the he in Matthew and Mark, the one coming up out of the water, is in fact John the Baptist? Is it possible that when they say coming up from the water, it isn't the process of Jesus coming up out of the water after being immersed? What if it's John walking out of the Jordan River up upon the banks of the Jordan? And that John walking out of the water, coming up out of the water, as, you, as it says, sees his cousin Jesus praying. He sees the heavens open, and he sees the dove descending. Is it possible? Well, then let me offer then as my final piece of evidence the way the Gospel of John tells it. Chapter 1, verse 32 and following, we read this. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Now please understand, a lot of this is just me kind of wondering out loud this morning. I've not done any kind of deep dive into this territory, but I do think it's worth us at least pondering and thinking about. After all, why is it that here in the midst of these water baptisms, John the Baptist doing one after the other after the other, that John is made to be the witness of the presence of the Holy Spirit? Why is it after having been in the water, John sees Jesus praying and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove? And yes, I know that it's about establishing Jesus' identity as God's Son. I know it's about Jesus' election and the special favor that he enjoyed. But I think there's something else at play here. I think the reason that we see the presence of the Holy Spirit right after the water baptisms of John the Baptist is so that John the Baptist and you and me, all of us, can come to understand that water baptism, friends, that's just the start. That's not the finish. Water baptism is just the start. 
It's not the finish. Baptism in water washes the body. Baptism in the Holy Spirit washes the heart. And only Jesus can do this. John the Baptist couldn't do it. None of the disciples could do it. John Wesley couldn't do it. I know I sure can't do it. Our friend J.C. Ryle that I've mentioned before to you says this, There is an essential difference between the Lord Jesus and even the best and holiest of his ministers. An ordained man can administer the outward ordinances of Christianity, like baptism, with a prayerful hope that God will graciously bless the means which he himself has appointed. He can preach the gospel faithfully to their ears, but he cannot make them receive it into their consciences. He can apply the baptismal water, but he cannot cleanse their inward nature. Christ alone can do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. My friends, you may remember your baptism. You may have pictures of that day. You may have a certificate presented to you that day by your church. You may have a quilt or a hat knitted for you by the dear saints of that church. It may have been performed by your favorite preacher. But friends, that cannot be it for you. That cannot be the extent of your walk with Jesus. Yes, our baptisms are powerful. Yes, our baptisms are important. But our baptisms just begin the work. I have a wonderful picture somewhere of myself and my cousin Cassie, both of us just a few months old, in the sanctuary at Mount Tabor United Methodist Church in Winston-Salem on the day that she and I were baptized. Our dads are holding us. Our moms are standing beside us, all of them wearing the very best of mid-70s attire. <laughs> the preacher stands behind them. It's a beautiful, wonderful scene. But if my walk with the Lord finished at that moment, my friends, I wouldn't be standing here before you. There must not only be the work of Christ for us, but it must be the work of the Holy Spirit in us. There must not only be a title to heaven by the blood of Christ, but a preparedness for heaven brought about in us by the Holy Spirit. The fact is, you can be outwardly baptized with water without being inwardly baptized by the Holy Spirit. So if I may ask the question, where do you find yourself this morning? I have no doubt that many of us can point to the evidence of the fact of our baptisms by water using pictures or certificates or things of that nature, but how sure of you are you of being baptized by the Holy Spirit. The question is, well, then what does that look like? What does it look like to be baptized by the Holy Spirit? I think it looks like change. I heard another preacher this week refer to these, these water baptisms of repentance of John the Baptist as, as being all about change. A change in our hearts, a change in our minds, a change in our thoughts, a change of our behaviors, a change of our practices. I think one of the reasons why the Spirit descends upon Jesus as it does in our story is to highlight to John the Baptist, those who are being baptized by him, and to you and I, okay, you say that you repent of your sins and are determined to live more holy lives, saying more holy things, thinking more holy thoughts, but 
You cannot by yourself. You're not strong enough. You're not good enough. You're not righteous enough. But Jesus, he is. This is the one. This is the way. This is the truth. This is life. Follow him. Be baptized by the Holy Spirit and know joy, no freedom, no love, no hope. I think being baptized with the Holy Spirit is that moment that you know Jesus. Not know about Jesus, but that you know Jesus and know He is your Savior and know He is your Lord and know that He died for you and know that you can have life eternal with your Creator. It means we are made right with God. Our sins are forgiven, and God then begins the process of lining up our lives to God's original design for each and every one of us. Are you open to the Holy Spirit changing your life? Then affirm Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And do it every day. Every day, find yourself being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you see, after being baptized by the Holy Spirit, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and the process continues. But don't misunderstand, we don't get more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. We get all of it the first time around. It's just that the Holy Spirit gets more of us as we mature, as we allow parts of our lives to be turned over to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is that grand Wesleyan term of sanctification that we hear about. Our daily journey, leaning on the Holy Spirit as we move onward towards perfection. Consistent, constant effort to grow in the ways we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and the ways we love our neighbors and love ourselves. All the time, with Jesus by our side, encouraging, leading, strengthening, loving. Because, friends, even the best of believers need encouragement. We live in a wicked world. We are often tempted by the devil, but we must be reminded that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. He will guide us safely through this life and on to eternal glory. And truth be told, water baptisms or not, we all have work to do to be more of the kind of people God made us to be. I know that I do. Let me tell you a little story. FCA, or Fellowship of Christian Athletes, had, it for, had, it, had its first in-person meeting in a couple years this past week at Manuel High School. 21 students dragged themselves out of bed and came to meet about an hour or so before school. They asked me to be the speaker. And while I was there, we talked about how in order to thrive or flourish in anything important in our lives, we need to have sacrifice and we need to be held accountable. We talked about how in their respective sports, they have to sacrifice time, they have to sacrifice other wants and needs, they have to sacrifice their feelings sometimes, that they're accountable to their coaches or authority figures, they're accountable to their teammates, they're accountable to the community in which they reside. And our faith journeys are no different. To thrive and flourish in our walks with Christ, we have to sacrifice our time, making time for prayer and Bible study and devotions, reading the Word, FCA, youth group. Church, Bible study. We have to sacrifice other wants and desires, the things that we know might be fun or make us popular, but we know aren't holy. 
We have to sacrifice our feelings of being called weird or strange for being open to our faith. And as we go on through this journey of faith, we have to know we are also accountable. Accountable to God, accountable to our neighbors, accountable to each other, as we try our best to abide by the vertical and horizontal commandments. We ended our talk about sacrifice and accountability with me asking them a few questions. I said, what if Jesus came through the door right now and sat beside you? And what if he asked you to take out your cell phone to show him your last five Snapchats, your last five Instagram posts, the last five TikTok videos you either posted or watched? Would you be ashamed to show it to him? If so, let today be the day you let go of some of that and give it to the Lord. And I felt real good about that. I was real pleased with myself by asking those thought-provoking questions for about 10 minutes. Because as I was driving back to the church, I couldn't get one question out of my mind. Okay, smarty, what if Jesus asked you the same thing? What if Jesus said, hey, let me see what you got going on in your Netflix account. What are the most played songs on your Amazon Prime music account? What if he asked you? Now, I say these things and ask these questions not to make anybody feel guilty or ashamed. I'm not saying you need to go home after worship and cancel all your streaming services and cut the cable from your home. <laughs> I'm not saying if you watch Ted Lasso that you can't get into heaven. But I ask these questions so that maybe we can start thinking about our personal holiness a little bit. Start thinking about our spiritual practices a little bit. Do we walk it like we talk it, friends? Start thinking about what kind of sacrifices maybe we need to make and what accountability measures we are willing to take in in order to walk a little bit closer with Jesus. The fact is, friends, one day heaven is going to open for all of us. And some of the choices we make here and now determine which of two statements we're going to hear on Judgment Day. Either, this is my beloved with whom I am well pleased, or I never knew you. In a bit, friends, as I mentioned, we're going to reaffirm our baptismal covenant. Even if you have not been baptized before, I encourage you to come and participate in it and then talk to me afterwards, see if we can't rectify that situation. But I want you to think about the words we will say together. I don't want it to be just rote repetition. I don't want you just to go through the motions. I want you to mean it and then go out and live it not because we think that works save us. It's not that. But it's because if we are willing and open to being filled by the Holy Spirit, we won't desire to live any other way. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.